Hello and welcome to episode 12 of The Flight Stuff, an Alpha Flight podcast. I am one of your illustrious hosts, Liam O'Donnell, head editor at Cinepunks.com. I'm Adriana Gober, managing editor of Cinepunks.com. And I'm Doug Tilly, a contributor to Cinepunks.com. Uh, we're so glad you've joined us here for this very important 12th episode. If we were a comic, this would be a year. Now, granted, we're not a comic, so it hasn't been a year yet. But still, I still think it's an important number for us here. Uh, on this episode, we're going to be covering Alpha Flight issues 27 and 28. Uh, it, very important issues for a number of reasons we'll get into in a second. But before that, there's actually Alpha Flight news. Y'all knew about this before I did. Alpha Flight is returning. Let me read this uh, press release to our listening audience. Alpha Flight returns. Uh, return to the Great White North with Alpha Flight this September. Jim Zub, Jed McKay, Ed Brisson celebrate Marvel's 80th anniversary with Alpha Flight True North with an exclamation point. Embrace yourselves, committed connoisseurs of the Commonwealth. The entire creative team is composed of cunning and cuddly Canucks. Now, okay, we'll get into that in a second. Written by clever creatives Jim Zub, Jed McKay, Ed Brisson. The comic has art crafted by co-conspirators Max Dunbar, Jabril Morissette-Fan, and Scott Hepburn, with a kinetic cover by compatriot Nick Bradshaw, and another exclamation point. So... Grab your hat and come travel light, because adventure lies just around the bend. Featuring three brand new tales no one has ever told before, Alpha Flight True North number one sees Canada's greatest creators unearth the secret history of squad stalwarts Puck, Snowbird, Talisman, Northstar, Marina, Guardian, and Vindicator. To celebrate the Toronto Raptors winning the NBA championship, sports on our podcast? Sorry. Noakes comical, comic <laughs> editor Chris Robinson, sadly not Canadian. We're bringing back the greatest of the great white North Canada's premier super team, Alpha Flight. And we've assembled a super team of Canadian talent behind the scenes of extra authenticity. Trust me. These guys are going to be deep in the Department H files to tie up those loose Alpha Flight story threads that have been keeping you all up at night. You wanted dip with the chips? Here it is. Oh, a Drake reference. <laughs> NBA Ed Drake on this podcast. Unacceptable. Pre-order the one shot at your local comic shop now, then pick it up this September. Doug, uh, as a Canadian, are you stoked or slightly embarrassed by this press release. Also, is Canucks not a uh, derogatory term? Go. It is not. Uh, I'm super excited about this. I mean, it's interesting that this particular episode of the flight stuff, I mean, it seems kind of like transitionary in all sorts of different ways. We're going to be talking about the end of John Byrne's run. And at the same time, we're talking about the return of Alpha Flight to comics. I do have to say that that it, while I'm very, very excited about the fact that so much Canadian talent are involved, I actually think that's a really necessary element for Alpha Flight, uh, even though we will see that that's not always going to be the case as we go through the uh, issues. I am, I guess I'm, I'm a little bummed that all the stories seem like they're going to take place in the history of Alpha Flight, but I am hoping that if we, uh, enough listeners and other people, though, though, you know, Listeners, certainly, go out and pick up copies of this that it could lead to perhaps an Alpha Flight ongoing in the future. I mean, we got to think big. We need to put Alpha Flight on the top of the charts, back on the map, Liam. That's what we're doing here on the podcast. I appreciate what you're saying, Doug, although I, I still think there's something wrong with the term Canucks. Adriana, I notice on this list there is no box. Are you as incensed and angry as I am? Well, I mean, we don't actually know that he won't appear. This is sort of just the teaser. So I'm going to reserve judgment until after I read it. We may get a really great box moment. Who knows? It it, it, it says Vindicator, so maybe it's before Box even joins the group, especially because Marina's in there, thank goodness. Well, it says Guardian and Vindicator. Mm -hmm, and true. so, Doug, uh, I would just tell you... Um, you don't know who that is yet. Yeah, you don't know who that is yet. Thanks, Liam, for the assist. I just I just have a couple of things I want to say. Go ahead, do it. Well, first of all, as a fan of Degrassi, I really have to push back against the Drake hate on this podcast. Um, but It's unacceptable. Jim Zub and Jabril Morris at Fawn, who will be involved in this uh, new Alpha Flight True North miniseries, they both worked on a creator-owned comic for Image Comics called Glitter Bomb. It is very, very good. Uh, so if any of you listening out there have not checked out Glitter Bomb, please do so. You won't regret it. 
Uh, also, if you are interested in knowing more about Glitter Bomb, uh, one of us wrote about Glitter Bomb on uh, this very website. Who was that again, Adriana, who wrote about Glitter Bomb? It was me. Yeah, that's right. Promote yourself, too. <laughs> All right, let's jump on in here. Alpha Flight, Volume 1, number 27 from October 1985. Written by John Byrne. Penciled by John Byrne. Cover by John Byrne. Um, hey, Doug, I hate talking to you in every way, shape, and form, but you want to tell me uh, what happens and, and our listeners as well in this uh, illustrious issue? Liam, this story is called Betrayal, uh, for obvious reasons, as we'll see going forward. You might remember that on our most recent issue, uh, it ended with the reveal that the resurrected Guardian was actually Delphine Courtney in disguise, and she and her Omega Flight cronies, they hoodwinked half of Alpha Flight in the West Edmonton Mall. Uh, But half isn't enough, so Courtney tortures Talisman, forcing her to send a psychic signal to her father, who teleports himself, Box, and Aurora, who's still recovering from her injuries sustained during the training exercise earlier, to the mall. And also Snowbird picks up the signal and abandons Doug because why not? So our fake guardian keeps up the pretense of being a member of Alpha Flight when the other members arrive, but flies into a fury when Shaman reveals he's been carrying around Smart Alec in his bag since Smart Alec was driven insane by looking into it. Uh, Courtney then turns the bag inside out, releasing a wave of spiritual energy that swallows up the unconscious members of Alpha Flight. Shaman then tasks Talisman with saving them since they would be driven mad if they regained consciousness. So she heads into the strange world, rescuing the group. Shaman is about to pull her out, but Courtney distracts him by revealing they've actually captured Snowbird, and Shaman pauses brief- briefly to throw some magical goo in Courtney's face. Despite Shaman's promise to Talisman that he's going to keep her safe, the void collapses, trapping Talisman within it. Uh, oh, and, and Box is hard at work, searching different dimensions for a replacement body for Walter. He thinks he's found one, and it'll be revealed in the next issue. Whew! It's quite a lot, quite a, quite a lot to uh, process there. Uh, but let's start where, you know, everyone has to start, which is the cover. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. Adriana, what do you think of this cover here we got for issue number 27 from October 1985? I find the cover of this issue a little bit puzzling. <laughs> so the scene we're presented with is Alpha Flight and Delphine Courtney are facing off on what looks like some sort of uh, rocky exterior location. There's, you know, rocky terrain and... This issue takes place inside a mall, uh, and not anywhere resembling what we see on the cover. It's it's a little strange. And as we've discussed before, uh, Byrne does kind of enjoy misdirection in his covers, but uh, I think this was a little bit too much misdirection. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little misleading. I think, Doug. What do you think of this cover? I mean. Adriana is absolutely right. It is misleading, misleading, but I love it. The only thing I don't really love about it is it kind of spoils, even though it, it doesn't get reflected in the issue proper exactly. It does kind of spoil that moment at the end, the big choice that Shaman has to make. But then again, it is the emotional kind of, of, of center of what's going to happen in this issue. So I guess it is proper for it to be reflected somewhat. But I just really love the pose that uh that that Delphine Courtney has with the mechanical face and and wearing guardian's costume uh it's kind of strange you know if you were the kind of person who in the 1980s might have missed the last issue and then picked this one up instead that cover pretty much gives away everything that happened in that most recent one but uh it, it really is i think it's a very dramatic pose and i think it works really well yeah i'm going to have to uh go with Adriana on this one just because i hate you no i'm kidding uh, I, I don't love the cover. I get what you're saying about the dramatic pose, and, and that is one of the things that I like about it. Yeah, same here. Um, but the background, the background is insane. It just doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> um, it, it kind of, it, it is a bit of a mislead, and I, and, and I'm, I would be okay with it as a mislead in some ways, but, um, I don't know, just something about it. There's something about the way that it's drawn as I look at it, and I'm looking at it now on two mediums just to make sure um, I'm getting the right feel here. But uh, there's something about the way that it's drawn that the the figures look like they're just sort of um, placed onto the background. Does that make sense? Like, um, a lot of times when you're drawing something like this, you, you want the characters to feel like they're in the location, in the geography. And this looks like some sort of like bad Photoshop. Like it, it's not clear exactly what <laughs> Shaman is standing on, like how he's standing is weird. 
Do you see what I'm saying? And partly it's because he yeah, didn't... it's like it's almost like a stock background, that, and these characters are sort of just superimposed onto it. It reminds me a little of those those color forms that you used to yep, have in the yep. in the eighties. You know what I mean? Well, well, you know, <laughs> part of the problem here is that there's this huge light source, right? And that light source is causing all kinds of shadows onto the background. But the characters are apparently incapable of casting shadows, so they have no shadows at all. While uh, there's shadows on the rubble beneath, like even the smallest rocks have shadowing, but then the figures themselves aren't casting any form of shadow at all. It's a weird look. It just doesn't quite work for me, even if I think just the drawing of Delphine Courtney kind of works in and of itself. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but I also, once you get past the shattering effect uh, at the top, it's just bars. It's just black and blue bars. And that's also a weird decision, I think. Uh, anyways, I don't love it, but it is what it is. Uh, let's talk about what happens in this issue. Uh, I I want to kick it to you on this one, Doug. Um, but I, I got to say, just my first thought when I was reading this was how... Um, Burn is really good at first pages, uh, and and I, you know I don't not that I'm trying to jump into the art here, but the idea that the first thing we see is Delphine Courtney like we've won, Alpha Flight has been destroyed. <laughs> it's kind of like a fun way to start the story, um, but I you know I don't know if it stays as fun as this image sort of is. Doug, what what do you think <laughs> about this story that we're we're sort of jumping into right here? I think, by the way, that first image is an intentional throwback to the first image on the last issue, issue 26. Right. Yeah, issue 26, ha- I was going to say that. Yeah, sorry. It has Guardian's big old face on the first page uh, instead. And I like that. I like the fact that there's some symmetry to that, That um, especially after the, the betrayal that we uh, saw in the last issue. Um, but, uh, but what are you asking me generally about the story, Liam? What did you think of it? How do you feel about it? This is like our, our next step here. Uh, in the in the saga that is Delphine Courtney, uh, did you feel like uh, you were going with this story? You're feeling good about it, and how did you feel about this uh, incorporation of the void that is inside the bag? <laughs> it's it is this issue sometimes feels a little wheel spinny, like it's just trying to hold on because especially because we know that the uh, following issue twenty eight is going to actually connect to a larger story in the Marvel universe. This one, I mean, I do like the fact that they, uh, they brought back the idea of smart Alec. I actually kind of like the fact that Delphine Courtney seems to have some sort of affection for the members of Omega flight to the point where, where they seem like really upset by the fact that shaman has basically captured this person and, and is carrying them around uh, almost offended by it. I I like the idea that there might be some loyalty within the team proper. And that's something that kind of plays out in the next issue as well. Um, but generally, it just feels like not a lot happens. Uh, you know, they bring the other Alpha Flight members into the fray, and then a lot of it takes place, or, or you know, a, a, a probably a, a three or four pages take place just in regards to going into the bag, getting the, the members out, while basically Omega Flight, who you I was kind of hoping were, would get into this big battle with Alpha Flight, they sort of just run away while all that's happening. So, I mean, I, I like the um, the fact that it reinforces the father-daughter tension between Talisman and Shaman, because that's something that uh, it felt like it kind of lost the thread of uh, over the last few issues. But uh, but overall, I mean, I liked it just fine, especially uh, art-wise, because when they go into that, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit, when they go into the medicine bag, there's some really wacky, crazy art that, that Byrne really seems to be having a good time uh, presenting. But uh, but overall, uh, this one didn't didn't really excite me like the next one did. Hmm. I think I enjoyed the issue a lot more than you did. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, just because all all of the the strange cosmic elements that come into play, sort of in the second half of the issue, really, really work for me. And we've talked a lot about Doctor Strange on this show. Yeah. Specifically, the way Shaman mirrors his character in certain ways. But I I really had Strange on my mind as I was reading this issue because like. All of the weird interdimensional adventures that Alpha Flight have been getting into over the last few issues, but especially this one, really brings to mind for me like the psychedelia of Steve Ditko's Doctor Strange and like all those incredible rainbow-colored splash pages with the geometric shapes uh, and and the mystical realm hopping. The stuff with Alpha Flight in this issue, like Talisman's journey into the void, really reminds me of of Ditko's Doctor Strange and. 
It's just right. such a great spectacle, and Byrne really takes his art um, into interesting areas, um, especially with the way the gutters become very warped and sort of bending along with, with Talisman's movements. And I guess I'm, I'm getting mm. more into the art area, so I'll, I'll stop there. But yeah, I, uh, that whole portion of the comic really, really made the issue for me. And 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 I I, I recognize some of the the rougher elements of the issue that you brought up, but I just, I, I didn't really mind it because, um, Byrne took a lot of creative risks with this issue that really paid off. And I, so it kind of made up for, uh, the less engaging aspects of the issue. Liam, I do want to say one thing I did really love about the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when Snowbird dumped Doug, uh, totally just said, hey, I'm out of here, bro, while he's there standing shirtless, and she's she's half-dressed, and he's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, too bad, bro, I'm out of here, and she doesn't barely say goodbye. She's just out of there, and it makes him very sad, and uh, when I see that character, who was very boring, feel sad, it makes me happy, Liam. What does that say about me? Uh, it says that you're human, because Doug sucks. I think we all knew he was just a distraction <laughs> for Snowbird until, you know, she was ready to... Get back in the saddle. It's true. Or maybe she was two in the saddle, if you know what I'm saying. What? <laughs> oh, boy, Liam. Come on now. It's a Look, family show. I I, I hear what both of y'all are saying. I got to say, um, I think I agree a little bit more with Adriana just because the I, I think the end of the issue is so off the wall in what it does artistically that the fact that the narrative isn't going um always how i want it to it doesn't really matter as much because i was actually very engaged by this uh issue towards the end i will say i think there's potential in omega flight to be a cool villain yeah like i think that's there and we we don't get to see it and it's a it's a bummer to me that, that that it just doesn't happen. On the other hand, this is such an important moment, I think, narratively, A, to get an idea that whatever's going on in Shaman's uh, you know, pack or bag or whatever wanna whatever it is, is intense and scary. That's great, because up to now, he just pulls goo and buttons out and throws <laughs> them at people. Like this suddenly makes it seem that much more powerful and important. And B, uh it, it helps us realize that um what could be a fun, um, meaningful reuniting with his daughter is inevitably overwhelmed by the role that he sees her playing, um, which is a problem. And it's a problem for the character. And I don't mean a problem in the sense of it's written poorly. I mean a problem in that this is the character's flaw, that he inevitably is going to keep pushing her into these roles without thinking about more the person that she is you know and i and i like that i think that part of the issue i I really enjoyed i gotta say there's one thing about this issue we kind of uh are glossing it a teeny bit that i want to bring up and it's this sub story which will become a main story of box finding the body for walter yeah and i bring it up for this issue even though it's a very short thing because i just want to ask you guys a question is that not obviously the hulk immediately in those pictures yeah i'll tell you i'll read this note that i wrote it's the second note i wrote for this issue quote that's obviously the hulk that box picked up on his interdimensional scanner uh being a 90s kid it reminded me of the guess that pokemon tag on um, the episodes of (laughs) the pokemon cartoon where you just see the pokemon in the silhouette and it is screamingly obvious which pokemon it is uh yeah I don't think Byrne was trying to be all that clever with the Hulk reveal. I can confirm that that he wasn't, uh, for sure, 100%, because at the very end of the issue, there's a note from Denny O'Neill basically announcing that John Byrne is leaving Alpha Flight after the next issue, and he says... Uh, you might expect something special to make, you know, uh, for to make a, such a momentous occasion. And he says right there, "What a guest appearance by the Hulk could do." So I mean, there, there's obviously there's yeah, it's pretty transparent that everyone is supposed to know <laughs> yeah, it's okay. the Hulk, except apparently uh, Box and Walter. Yeah, this is my thing. I, is that it's so obviously the Hulk that I actually expected maybe not Box and Walter, but Shaman. I because of the that they've interacted with the Hulk before, I kind of expected him to look at it and go. I don't know, guys. Looks like the Hulk, <laughs> but uh, but you know, yeah. It's it's just yeah. I I see that. Okay, obviously this is done to like be a hype thing, but it's so obviously that it's the Hulk that there's some part of me that was like pulled out of the moment. Like they could have made it a big object and then hinted at the Hulk 
in the letters page. Um, but they made it so much like the Hulk that in the moment I'm kind of like, man, are we sure this is a good idea? Like, that's clearly the Hulk. But whatever. It just took me out of the moment for a second. It's fine. Admittedly, it's fine. Liam, we have seen a few bait and switches that's uh, true. That's throughout true. the series so far. So, you know, it could have been like it, it comes out and it ends up being like this blue monster that is vaguely shaped like the Hulk. That's also true. <laughs> oh, man. What? I would have been so – anyone reading this comic would have been so mad if it, it had turned out to not be the Hulk at this at this point okay um but that also seems like a very john byrne type twist yes that's true <laughs> uh, i also want to ask you guys a, a clarifying question here um it, it, not so much in this issue but definitely a little bit in the next issue i was con- i was confused as to whether delphine courtney has a specific gender or not yeah, that's tricky. I've been using they specifically because I'm not 100% sure what is the most appropriate word to use. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Delphine Courtney is a robot. So technically, I don't I don't think they have a gender, but um they did present as female initially. Right. It's that 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 I think because uh they do no long, they no longer appear female that in this issue but even more so in the next one we're going to be discussing it was all exclusively male pronouns yeah and that doesn't matter i'm not that i'm mad about that or whatever i just suddenly thought that's weird cuz i had been thinking internally because of how we were introduced to delphine courtney as delphine courtney as female but then it doesn't really matter cuz they're a robot, so they don't have any gender. So it's just it was just and one of those it's things. It's really not gonna me. matter pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. It just struck me as like a, a a realization of like uh I as a younger person, I might have been confused as to who this character is. Because I for some reason I, I think as a as a child I was still gendering robots, which doesn't make any sense at all. But whatever. It's just yeah. I, I, something Damn I realized. Transformers. There is actually a conversation amongst members of Omega Flight on this very subject in the next issue. So we, oh, we can is there? return okay. to it. Yeah. I must have forgotten. It's all very about brief, it. but it definitely occurs. Sorry, just more, one more question to kind of finish off the plot of this, which is that uh, did Shaman do anything wrong here? Is he at fault uh, as Talisman thinks he is in regards to him being distracted uh, briefly and and his promise to his daughter that she would be safe, that she ends up, you know, he ends up breaking another promise, which she sees as a uh, kind of consistent theme in their relationship, though separated by a number of years. But when we return to this, her anger in the next issue, I mean, she voices her displeasure, especially about the fact that she put on this, this talisman uh, costume and the tiara thing and basically she can't ever take it off and no one ever told her. She, she has a lot of really valid complaints, but specific to here, is he in the wrong? I, I mean, this, it's a very it's a difficult ethical dilemma because I mean, he mm-hmm. makes the conscious decision to delay rescuing his daughter so that he can stop Delphine Courtney. Um, and so I it, 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 it's it's almost like he he kind of weighted his options and decided that he would be saving more people yeah. if he took care of Delphine and then went for his daughter, um, which makes logical sense. But I definitely do sure. not fault Talisman for being as angry as she is in the next issue, and we can talk about that more uh, when, when, once we get to issue twenty eight. But I mean, yeah, I'm gonna say he is at fault. And that I, I think his his reasoning for uh, the decision he made and the course of action he took makes sense, but it is also a, a very odd decision for a parent to make. I think that's the I think that's really the the key to it, which is that if she was just if Talisman was just a member of the supergroup, if she was just a member of Alpha Flight and not related to him, well, that's the decisions that people in these superhero groups make all the time. The, you know, I can save both people, or I can save one person and I'm weighing the odds and I'm making the decision based on what I think is best, well, then that wouldn't be such a problem. But here he has promised his terrified daughter, who he has forced to go in in the first place, basically, that to say, you will be fine if you go in there, I promise. And then he ends up kind of reneging on that because he's trying to save somebody else. Um, I guess it depends on whether you prioritize you know, the superheroics over that family relationship. But here I can certainly see why she would be very upset. And it's it's also it's kind of made even worse by the fact that earlier in the issue, he does save Talisman 
from the void, like he, he picks her up and pulls her out of the path of the void, but only because he knows that he needs her powers as well as his to stop it. He chose to save her, but not out of an act of fatherly love. It was it was kind of a more calculated decision. That's I mean, that's my feeling here is that the when you bring up Doug, what would happen with other superhero teams? I think at this point, he's already instrumentalized her because she doesn't have the power to make her own decisions about what she is and is not capable of doing. You know, in another story, he wouldn't say you go in. Chances are the person would volunteer to do it because a, they're a hero and that's, you know, we want to see heroes volunteer to help, but B they'd have some sense of their own abilities, right? But she has no sense of her own abilities. And so time and time again, he's convincing her. She has to do things because she has no idea that she should be the one to fix the situation because she has no sense of her own abilities. And, and that is, to me, the problem here is not what she sees as him not following through on his promises, but um, more, I, and this is related to what happened before, he believes in things too strongly. So when he was a doctor and all he believed in was doctoring, he thought he could be such a good doctor he could save anyone, including her mom. Now that he's a shaman, he believes in the magic that he is connected to so strongly, he doesn't notice that his poor, sad daughter is being put in danger. She's the talisman, so it doesn't matter. She's immortal. She's all-powerful. She can do whatever she wants. She's basically a a sassier version of uh, any messiah. So, you know, why should he be concerned for her well-being? Uh, because yeah, it, it, he really has been kind of stripping away her autonomy since she entered right. his life as an adult, right? And right. and even though you know the, the the way that she was brought into his life was you know was this kind of really strange, unique situation, but the fact that he, she has now been forced into this group with this destiny, so to speak, and all these expectations laid upon her without a, a full understanding of what that means, and it and people just speak kind of in in. Uh, generalities and it seems like even her father isn't willing to tell her exactly what all that means because when snowbird is trying to consider her a god her father's like you know that's true but don't tell her all of it because it'll be too much for it and you know it's it's like he's not giving her her own ability to choose it it also if she's been around long enough that she's done enough weird wrestling things with puck that she can be a full (laughs) member of the team that he should have broken down the whole deal with like it just feels like while she's been learning how to grapple good uh she should have been learning about all her special magical powers and such so that she would be fully aware of what she was capable of and he just hasn't done that and i and i think your feeling your intuition that he doesn't want her to know this because he's worried that if she understood the full thing it would be too much for her is what's going on because he doesn't actually respect her the same way that he didn't respect her enough as a child to tell her your mom might die i mean part of that was his own ego but part of that was also you just don't tell the truth to children about the frailty of their parents and you know i think that would make sense in some cases and in some cases it doesn't make sense because you're just protecting them from something that you can't protect them from so i think it's the same thing he 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 hasn't taken her seriously uh certainly as an adult and wasn't taking her seriously as a child either i think that's fair man shaman is i think i think i think these uh this issue and the next issue really exemplify the way shaman is is one of the most dramatically rich characters in this series. Meaty drama. Okay, uh, so it, an interesting issue with some interesting cosmic stuff. Uh, Adriana, you already mentioned a little bit about the art. Let's start there. Uh, you highlighted the end. What other art in this issue stuck out to you? What was interesting? What was uh, made this issue a little bit worthwhile for you? Yeah, I kind of are a prematurely unloaded about <laughs> most of what I like about this issue art-wise. But um, I do always enjoy the way Byrne draws technology, especially all yeah. of the fancy yep. uh, computer equipment in Box's lab. Uh, I, so I would say um, that that's the other aspect of the interiors of this issue that I really enjoy. Agreed. I like that as well. Doug, What what's... Agreed, and I feel like I see that 
for me personally, I see that more in some of the face work. Like, just seems a little more dramatic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. I don't. I don't usually notice inkers that much unless there's something bad. But I see what you're saying that it's it's just a little bit more pronounced than it is in some of the other things that we've read. Uh, Doug, what stuck out to you art wise? Well, first we get a lot more uh, imagery of the West Edmonton Mall, the jewel of Edmonton. Um, the palm trees that apparently dot the landscape in the mall. I mean, you really get to see it in all its glory, which I appreciate. Uh, Adriana went into some detail about, uh, the really unique and really interesting imagery within the medicine bag itself. But what I wanted to point out is the way that he presents the medicine bag, the kind of, uh, inside out medicine bag, how it intrudes into our world. It's really uniquely presented where it's kind of these shards of, I mean, it's even a little hard, to, like colored shards that are coming out um, and, and breaking apart a little bit and, and kind of presenting. It's really strangely done. Uh, and I really, really like it. I, I think in terms of a way to present this sort of spiritual realm that is now um, kind of let loose on in our realm and, and how that's overtaking things and how it's kind of growing outwards, it, 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 it's both kind of eerie and strange but also really kind of beautiful in some ways. Uh, so I really like that combination and how kind of colorful it is. It, it's actually kind of Kirby-esque in some ways as opposed to the the more floaty and uh, and, and fantasy-ish elements that are within the, the – um, and, and Ditko-esque elements that are inside the bag itself once that's presented with the kind of floating <laughs> – I mean, when, when within the bag itself, some of the things that are floating around almost look like, like letters or – uh, or actually, vis- like things that you would recognize outside, just twisted and contorted into a different form. I really love that. I mean, and uh, Adriana was right to point it out. I think it's the highlight of the entire issue. But I also like how it's presented in terms of our world as well. Uh, I also liked on page eighteen again. What this is an issue that's page numbers. Not all of them do. Uh, on page eighteen, <laughs> at the bottom, when the members of Alpha Flight start to emerge from the stuff in the bag, oh, the yeah. way that they're all just mm. standing there, like. It's a, actually a very striking image. Um, yeah, it's yeah, very eerie, and it, and for it sure. continues, too, as they sort of are coming out of there. And he's there's almost a sense in which he's, like, rolling it back on his end. Uh, and, I, yeah. and I love that. I yeah. love everything about that. Um, I want to say, too, uh, there's a few very dramatic panels beyond just... Uh, the stuff at the end that I think are very sort of effective. So uh, I already mentioned, obviously, the very first page. As you guys said, it was a reference to that other issue. But um, then the next, there's this, like, uh, the full page. uh, Well, it's not a full page, but it's like a cross uh, page shot. I really like that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, uh, so on page – hold on. Let me get the page number right. Page 9, when uh, Shaman uh, teleports them to this – horribly gaudy mall in canada uh it starts with just a like uh, a uh, a panel of the mall and then a panel of them sort of emerging from this thing i just mm-hmm. love the sequencing of that i just really enjoyed that it felt like a very cinematic choice as opposed sure. to uh more of a flat thing where they're just sort of jumping out of the thing it more i don't know it set a kind of pacing that i really appreciated for for this for this particular comic uh and and there's a couple other panels that are very dramatic obviously the one where he actually turns the bag inside out is one of my favorites uh with aurora sort of in the front um but there's a few like that that i just uh i really appreciate um i guess what i'm saying is not just the uh, obvious aesthetics of it, but the pacing of the the choosing to represent things that way, the pacing of um, uh, uh, the sorts of uh, images he's choosing for these larger panels, um, I like it. it. It feels very assured. Um, another one that I really like, the bottom of 20 when the goop actually hits Delphine Courtney. <laughs> There's a couple of those I just think are, are really well done. They just really stood out to me. They're not quite my favorite thing from Byrne as an artist is when he has those dramatic full page setting a scene images. Those I think so far have been some of my favorite. Um, but even the the grief-stricken shaman at the end of the issue is just... I don't know. Just it, It's funny because we had talked on an earlier episode about Byrne maybe caring less towards the end of his run but Mm. this issue artistically at least maybe 
you know, narratively isn't the strongest, strongest, but artistically it really hit it out of the park. Just really was impressive to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's definitely, he wants to, to end his run on a bang. So uh, anything else to say about this issue before we move on to the next one? Cause I need to know what's going to happen. What's going to happen with Delphine Courtney and all these Omega Megas? <laughs> Omega flights seem unstoppable at this point. So I'm curious to see what happens with them. Hmm. Anything else, Adriana? No, I'm, I'm ready for issue 28. Oh, here we go. Alpha Flight Volume 1, number 28 from November 1985. Written and penciled by John Byrne. Cover by John Byrne. Here we are. The issue's called Crossover. I can't wait to hear you tell us what's going to happen in your really annoying Canadian way. Let's do it, Doug. If you've just been reading Alpha Flight, you might be understandably confused by the beginning of this issue, which finds the Beyonder making an appearance, as this issue takes place during the events of Secret Wars 2, issue number 4. So Omega Flight may have taken off, uh, but are stopped in the West Edmonton Mall parking lot by Madison Jeffries. Uh, You might remember him. He's the guy who helped Box rebuild his Box robot. He turns a nearby car into a giant robot, which attacks uh, Omega Flight, kind of easily batting them around. And there's a great bit where Alpha Flight member uh, Flashback, he sees one of his future clones killed and basically has a mental breakdown from the realization of his own mortality. Eventually, Jeffries makes Courtney kind of throw up her own metal guts and leaves his robot to uh, watch over the baddies. He goes inside just in time to see the Beyonder deus ex machining talisman out of Shaman's medicine bag. Beyonder teleports away before another skirmish can start. And Talisman is so pissed at her dad for leaving her in the bag after promising her safety, she uses her powers to teleport all the members, save Snowbird, back to their Vancouver base. Heather takes a bath to calm down from doing whatever. And while she's soaking, Box and Walter, they're trying to pull in that new body we were talking about for Walter's soul. Heather is upset that she wasn't consulted since she's the leader uh, for some reason, but it's too late to stop it. Jeffries adds his own power to the whole ordeal with Box leaping back into his Box robot. And when it's then revealed that they pulled through a familiar body, it's the freaking Incredible Hulk. Uh, I really like uh, freaking on this one, Doug, because it is the Incredible Hulk. So that's freaking huge. Uh, Let's talk about this cover. Uh Uh-huh. Adriana, what do you think about this cover? I'm personally thinking deceptive, but I wonder what you are thinking. Yeah, definitely a misleading cover, as it could cause one to believe that the Beyonder and the Hulk play a much more significant role in this issue than they actually do. Isn't it crazy that they don't have on the cover that it's John Byrne's final issue of Alpha Flight? I mean, do you think that would be a major selling point? It kind of is. I mean, they announced it in the most recent issue and issue 27 so it's not like it's this big surprise you think that that you would slap that on it and look this might i don't think this is a very controversial opinion but the beyonder sucks and i don't like him being front and center on this page especially because he does not have a major effect in this issue outside of doing something which we don't see him do (laughs) which is get talisman out of uh the 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 bag um and so having him kind of taking up a lot of that real estate while the members of Alpha Flight just look confused. And once again, by the way, this is a cover that does not reflect anything that happens in this issue and not even close. That said, it gets the idea across. This is a Secret Wars 2 crossover. The Hulk is going to show up at some point. Everything's in chaos. It's a big crossover. Uh, I feel it's kind of unfortunate that Jeffries didn't get more of a, uh, 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 a look at at on the cover simply because his return to the series is the thing that I most enjoyed and was most excited about with this issue. Yeah, and it's so epic too. I think definitely yeah. Jeffries deserved that cover space more than the Beyonder. Come on. Mm-hmm. But I guess I so I don't know this for sure, but it's my gut feeling that the Beyonder on the cover was probably some sort of editorially mandated <laughs> thing. Like that's probably we need case. to push Secret Wars to the Beyonder is a huge part of Secret Wars, too. So let's just push that character as much as possible. Um, I, I find it kind of funny that the Beyonder, the form that the Beyonder takes in Secret Wars 2 is basically just generic 80s action hero. <laughs> Not only that, but he's uh, very interested in outfit changes. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. how much I, you know, I, I 
despite being a very big nerd, I have never read all of Secret Wars 2. But I've read a chunk of it just in picking up issues here and there. And uh, it just seems like every time the Beyonder zaps into a new place, he's got a different outfit on. And I, if I was an all-powerful <laughs> interdimensional guy, I don't know that I would need so many outfit changes. But that, it becomes a thing. He, he's always wearing something different. And usually uh, action hero or disco performer-esque in nature, <laughs> uh, which is weird. I mean, going, going sleeveless is a pretty bold choice, I would say, for the cover. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I will also say about this cover, it's worth noting as we not only talk about the cover, but as we get into the issue, that we haven't read the Secret Wars uh, st- uh, uh, material that Alpha Flight is in. So uh, as to how amazing or disappointing the Beyonder is in that storyline, <laughs> we, we, we can't really speak to yet, but we will be covering it. Um, I bring that up only to say, based just upon if I wasn't reading Secret Wars 2 and I just picked up this issue, <laughs> I would be so bummed, not just on the cover, <laughs> why is this weirdo on the cover, uh, but... It is such a weird uh, Deus Ex Machina, as you pointed out, Doug. He just shows up and he's like, I've solved your problems. Goodbye. And then we just have to move on. And it's like, wait, what? So we went from like this emotional, intense moment of, you know, shaman in pain at the end of the last, last issue to, I don't know, one of the cornier things I think I've seen in a comic, in my, in my opinion. You know, so uh, I don't know. It's 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 very off-putting. Um, also, I, though, I do have to agree with Adriana, this has to be editorial, right? Like, as lame as I think yeah. the Beyonder is, uh, he is the linchpin of Secret Wars 2. So I'm sure it wasn't just Alpha Flight. I'm sure many comics had mandated Beyonder appearances on the cover, let alone in the issue itself. So, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to worry about it too much. But uh, as I've already hinted, you know, I, I like where this issue starts, which is... Omega Flight going into action. That's a fun sort of thing here. <laughs> of course, they're brought down basically by one dude, but whatever. That is what it is. Uh, Adriana, what did you think of uh, this issue number uh, 28? Were you excited? Were you bummed? Do you like the Beyonder and want to know more about his outfits? Um, no. <laughs> uh, this issue uh, was a bit more of a mixed bag for me than issue 27. Um I think the way the Omega flight conflict is resolved is a little anticlimactic. They do, as you pointed out um, earlier in this episode, they do kind of just run away. <laughs> like the second they face any real resistance from Alpha Flight, mainly Shaman in this case, they totally skedaddle. Uh, on the other hand, we do have some really awesome moments in this issue. Uh, the return of Jeffries, for one thing. And we do get to see him do some cool stuff with, like, twisting metal into shapes. And then Talisman's big sort of uh, blowout with Shaman was kind of satisfying uh, because she verbalizes a lot of things that we mm-hmm. discussed earlier about um, the way Shaman is controlling her and, and manipulating her. And her anger is totally justified. And Shaman's credit, he immediately owns up to all of it. You know, he doesn't make excuses for himself. He, he straight up says, like, yeah, I have been um, controlling my daughter and manipulating my daughter and, and sort of weaponizing her. Um, and so that was very interesting. But, yeah, the, the only other there, – there's that whole subplot with uh, finding a new body for Walter, uh, which I'm <laughs> sure we'll get to in a second. But – uh, I just want to say that, like one one thing, I kind of wish we get more of is introspection from Heather, or or more of her processing and and coming to terms with the reality that James isn't back. Sure, you know that mm-hmm. that she was the target of of this horribly cruel and twisted manipulation. Because we do get some time with Heather in this issue, but it's mostly just her trying to rein in the insanity that is playing out around her. Um, and and. Like we even see her and get some downtime, but she's kind of just like she 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 reflects on recent inve- events, but she's like surprisingly silent on the fact that her <laughs> resurrected husband was actually a robot in disguise. It was a Decepticon the whole time. Yeah, that seems like something you'd want to take some time to process, but she she kind of she doesn't. And like I get that you know in the in these last couple of issues, uh, 
we kind of ba- we kind of jump from one crisis to another, so she kind of doesn't have a lot of, of time to do that. But um, it was definitely a, a weird thing that I noticed. Um, but yeah, that kind of sums up all of my scattered thoughts on uh, issue number twenty eight. That is all very insightful. I especially agree with you on the idea that this blowout between Talisman and Shaman, though obviously depicted in a sort of dramatic comic book style, is, for me at least, very warranted and makes a lot of sense. Uh, And kind of did feel cathartic, not just for that character, but for me. Like, yeah, what is going on with Shaman? What's going on with you, Shaman? Uh, I I really appreciated that. Um, I have a uh, I have a couple of questions, but I want to jump to you first, Doug. What, what did you think about this issue? How did you feel about um, the conflict between Shaman and Talisman? How did you feel about our um, Heather taking it easy couple of panels uh, and the the subplot, which has become plot of finding Hulk in the d- interdimensional wasteland? First, I just want to talk about Jeffrey some more because he has immediately become my favorite Alpha Flight member if he is indeed sure. a member of Alpha Flight. I love that his arrival when he when they recognize who it is, Delphin Courtney, it shows just this close up of her face in the Guardian costume and her eyes go like bright yellow because she knows yeah. how screwed they are. That's a great and his, panel. It it's it's amazing. And and he, his abilities honestly, they they seem so overwhelmingly not just cool but like really powerful. I mean, he really has put himself uh, uh, just from, you know, he, he basically defeats Omega Flight all by himself. No problem. And just with one creature that he creates, one robot that he forms uh, in seconds. I mean, I really love it. I love the fact that he has this pre-existing relationship with the members of Omega Flight, specifically his relationship with Diamond Lil. The idea that, you know, she might make a, uh, in wrestling terms, a face turn at some point because she, he thinks that she doesn't recognize Maybe all the evil deeds that she's doing, or she's aligned herself with with a force that she shouldn't uh, shouldn't have, and and that she's kind of being controlled. And then, I mean, the what he eventually does to, um, well, I mean, we'll talk about it in some detail. But what he he does to uh, Duffin Courtney and making her basically vomit up all of her insides is pretty intense. I really love that whole section of it. Uh, I think Adriana said all that really needs to be said about how kind of satisfying it is to see Talisman finally release her anger. She almost goes kind of dark Phoenix for a second there, uh, where she really just kind of basically yells everybody away. Um, and, and why not? I think if, if anyone deserves some time to think it's her who doesn't deserve time to think is Heather. Well, I guess she does because Adriana is absolutely right. She's been through a lot. This has been a very traumatic few days for her and, and having her, dead husband come back and it all being this deception is got to be mentally uh, damaging. But I have to say, Heather is not doing it for me as the leader of Alpha Flight. I don't understand still. I mean, we've talked about this several times before. I don't understand why she's the leader. She, what what skills does she possess outside of being the late wife of their previous leader that should allow her to be the leader of this group? I, I mean, now at least Shaman is damaged enough and, and has been uh, in such a conflict with his own daughter that it makes sense that he can't take the mantle. But, geez, I'm ready to let Jeffries just take it over at this point, and I don't know anything about him yet. Uh, I just – I understand where the moment comes from, where she's basically like, this is all too crazy. Let's take some time out and, and like, reset, and I'm going to go get a bath. And and why she would be upset to find out that all these machinations are happening behind her back without her being consulted. I can see why she'd be frustrated with that. But I will say that this issue basically has, you know, three or four pages of her being this schoolmarm to these excited children. And it does not play well for me, uh, even if it's understandable why she'd be taking that approach. I just I want this series to do more with her and to present her as a capable leader, because I don't think we've really seen that yet. I both hate what you're saying, but also kind of agree only in this couple of issues. I actually think she has brought a lot of stability mm. to the team already, but I do think Byrne in his writing is not totally setting her up to be a great leader. I do think she hasn't made, though, any horribly stupid decisions, which 
already puts her above James in my book, but uh, <laughs> but there's so many other capable people on the team. I do think it does make sense what you're saying. Like it, it'd be cool if she there was a little more of her doing things that kind of established why she should be leader, especially since they're really pushing the visual elements so hard. She's wearing the red and white outfit that we already talked about a couple episodes ago. Uh, uh, already then she has this relaxing moment then she just changes into another red and white outfit I just feel like are they just going to keep putting her in the in the normal plain clothes uh, equivalents of the guardian uniform over and over again until we finally just accept that that's going to be her destiny I don't know um, I do want to say I agree with y'all about this whole stuff with Jeffries in the beginning I also like though there's a sense in which Jeffries doesn't have control of the robot which I think is an important distinction for his abilities. He made a thing mm-hmm. he needed, which was a robot who would, you know, fight Alpha Flight or Omega Flight rather. But he doesn't control it, right? He has to keep yelling at it to keep it easy. <laughs> yeah, because it's, great. it's not it's not an extension of his consciousness, which would be a different kind of power. So he can make what he needs, but he's not like psychically controlling the thing he made. He just made a robot and now the robot is doing whatever it is that he created it to do in a sense, you know? And I kind of prefer that because it, it both shows us how powerful he is, but also gives us a limitation. So it's not like I magically control all metal things forever. You know what I mean? Like there, it actually, it, it, by adding a limit, it makes a power more believable. I, I also love this moment um, that we, we kind of hinted at, but uh, when he is basically taking the team apart with the robot, mm-hmm. uh, Delphine Courtney uh, cowardly defends themselves <laughs> with one of a uh, is what's the name of that character? It's flashback. Flashback with mm-hmm. one of Flashback's future selves. That was I an amazing it. moment, and really helped us see Delphine Courtney for the. Uh, scumbag robot that they are. <laughs> I, I mean, I think a flashbacks. Sorry, just flashbacks break down immediately afterwards. I mean, that's not the. That's such a unique thing to see in in a, a kind of a, a more traditional comic book. That feels like something you'd see in like a Grant Morrison comic, not in something right. like this. I really, really liked it. Plot wise, though, it is weird how this. It kind of we ramp up to an almost non-ending with the Beyonder, and then <laughs> you know, oh, we're gonna go back to the base and relax as we've kind of pointed out. And meanwhile, all these things are going on. Heather has no idea. And and I, I think you're right, um, Doug. The the issue for me here is not, though, Heather as a leader, because I kind of like Heather. Uh, but just the fact that they have used the character in this story, Byrne has, as sort of like a just a scolding mom. You know, just like, a, what are you guys doing? You didn't ask permission to reach out to another dimension. What do you think this is? This doesn't seem safe at all. Now, granted, she's right, though. I mean, what they're mm-hmm. doing is incredibly stupid. But uh, but, uh, but it's not the best sort of portrayal of her character. Um, and, and it, it, you know, it's kind of frustrating. But I got to say here, and this will move us into the conversation about the art, uh... Ending with Hulk smashing box. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty oh, great. It's amazing. It's pretty great. I like it as dramatically and I like it artistically. I like it. I like it as, as an ending. Um, anything else you guys want to say about this story before we move to the to the art? It makes me excited for future issues, which is exactly what it should be. Considering that you know th- this 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 story is kind of hampered by the fact that it has a tie into Secret Wars two, and it yes. even has a tie into directly into an Incredible Hulk issue after this, since that's where John Byrne is heading to next. Um, but, you know, even with all those potential distractions, it really, you know, now that this kind of major story with Omega Flight and the return of, uh, with Delphin Courtney, the return of Guardian, all that's past us, it makes me really excited to see what's going to happen to the team yet, be- uh, next, because of all the different strange dynamics that are going on, which again, you know, I, if maybe a few issues ago I wasn't so excited for, but now the dynamics are really working for me. I feel that. I feel that, Doug. I think it is a, a good setup. Again, like, you know, it is this transition for Burn as well, but I think it's a it's a fair sort of send-off narratively, even if aspects of it, and even the aspect that I most was uncomfortable with was the Beyonder, which is not really Burn's decision, right? He wasn't like, hey, hey guys, let's make right. sure we get some Beyonder time. Like, this is just part of the, the crossover, and it is what it has to be. Um, I want to jump in on this art, if y'all are ready. Uh, I'm gonna ask. Start with you mm-hmm. this time, Doug. 
what stood out to you art wise in this issue? What what did you particularly like or maybe dislike in this uh, issue uh, number twenty eight? All of the material where they're trying to get this body from that dimension. I mean, we'll find out more about this, I'm sure, when we read the comics that surround this for how Hulk got into this situation and, and where he's coming from and that sort of thing. Cause I'm not sure. I haven't read any of that material. Um, but all that, all that kind of energy transfer, all of that is presented in a really interesting visual style. Very Kirby-esque. You got a lot of Kirby dots going on. And, and I really like, how out of control it feels and how, you know, there's a lot of interesting angles. You see box enter the box robot as Walter leaves it. I mean, all the action is very comprehensible, even while it's kind of going haywire at the same time. And it then culminating in that splash page or, or the single page image of the Hulk just demolishing with one swing that giant robot. I just really love, I mean, it feels like it builds and builds and builds. And then there's that actual payoff, which, Hey, you don't always get that payoff in Alpha Flight comics. So here I was really excited to see it. So, I mean, that to me is the visual highlight of the, uh, of the issue. Um, outside of the fact that we get to see a car crumple itself, as, as Adriana mentioned before, Byrne working with technology is always really interesting. And he basically turns a car into a big gobot. So I like, I like that as well. <laughs> I like the gobot reference. Adriana, what stood <laughs> out to you arts wise, uh, artistically in this issue? I mean, Doug pretty much covered it. Um, Anything to do with Jeffries is always really cool. Um, just the manipulation yeah. of all of the uh, steel and metal, and and to, and and the uh, the design of the GoBot, as as Doug referred to it, is really <laughs> neat. Um, but then, and we also see the return of some of the more grotesque elements of of burnt art with uh, the face ripping panel and that other panel where we just see. Courtney vomiting their their robo intestines out of their mouth. It sort of just sprays out into into a a fountain of of weird little bits and bobs. And uh, other than that, though, no, I think I think Doug kind of covered all of the bases. Liam, since you brought up like a single panel that you most liked in the on the other issue, I just want to mention the the panel right before Talisman sends everyone away. Where it basically, she almost goes completely colorless except for her eyes going bright red. And there's kind of a wave of power surrounding her head. I mean, I think this is the first time we've seen really the extent to of what her abilities can encompass. And I think that's presented really, really well visually. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very upsetting. Even just before that image when she just looks angry. She, we've never seen her look that angry. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? There's something, there's an intensity there. Um I I agree with y'all. I think the the Jeffrey stuff is really strong. I think the uh, the um, material when they're basically fishing for the Hulk out of another dimension is really strong. I gotta say, and and this might be an issue with that uh, uh, that I have a physical copy in front of me. Um, the colors are weird. This issue. Uh, or at least, let me put it this way. My physical copy, the colors are a little strange. Uh, and especially for some of the backgrounds. So for, in, what, in what way? So, for yeah. example, um, well, the, some of the Jeffrey stuff, there's moments that switch between the obvious parking lot and then full color backgrounds for dramatic effect. And some of the colors are weird choices to me that... that um, just don't seem that that for me don't work very well. So, for example, uh, in in when um when uh, Delphine Courtney sacrifices one of Flashback's uh, future selves, that blue is just is just a little bit of a weird choice in my mind. But the place where I really noticed it being distracting was in the mall. So the first place where we see the Beyonder, so much of the background is like this gold or silver or glassy sort of just almost it looks almost white on mine that it, it it's kind of distracting and it, it happens a few times and then it changes to a bit of like an off gray when we see north star on the next page um and 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 that happens a few times again it might be a fading on my issue but it's a bit distracting and and it doesn't uh it doesn't um change that much when they get to alpha flight head 
I guess they're at headquarters. Do they have a headquarters now? Did we that, establish I mean, that? That's an interesting question because they do mention, I think, in, I think in the last issue that they have like a new location. But where they got the money to maybe maybe doing those team exercises against the Canadian military has got them some extra cash to to buy a new place to to hang out. So it's it, in other words, what I'm saying is there's a lot of. Uh, when I'm flipping through, it just feels like there's a lot of backgrounds that, you know, we often critique Burn for not drawing much sometimes in some of the issues for backgrounds. It's less that. It's more like I didn't understand the background color choices until I can see until that. we get to this, as we already sort of established, this uh, this part at the end of the issue where they're fishing for the Hulk and it's a lot of blues and reds and I think the blues and reds are really great and and kind of work with this idea that, you know they've they've cut the power all the energy is coming from this weird energy line they have going into another dimension all that really works for me but earlier all the stuff in the mall is just a little off and visually distracting hmm. for, for me again that's just my opinion but it, it, it kind of set me uh, it kind of was distracting a little. Liam, I just just as a follow up to what we were just talking about, when they get sent back by Talisman, uh, Heather goes, "Then we're in Vancouver in our leased facilities." So I guess they're leasing a place. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about that is it's so massive. Like I like the idea that in comic book world, there's just all these huge facilities. Though it is using that, they're like, well, hopefully they open up another Avengers and the Avengers. It's Canada. Just, we got so. the space. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, anything else y'all want to say about this uh, issue, art-wise or plot-wise, before we wrap up? Uh, and anything we want to talk about with Burn leaving? I mean, this is it. This is it for this Burn. Mm-hmm. He's going over to Hulk. What, do you guys have any reflections on that? What are you thinking about it? it the end of an era. Right? Adriana, are you... I mean, you've read past Burn, and I know you don't love all the stuff that comes after. Are you feeling excited to sort of go through that with us, or are you feeling kind of bummed that your buddy Burn is out? <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't say that I'm bummed, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not relishing the thought of covering some of the Mantlo stuff. But uh, it does seem... It does feel a little bit bittersweet that, you know, John Byrne built this book to where it is now and he sort of just this this is his baby and it's it's it seems sort of almost wrong for somebody else to come in and i i will say that the change in art on the next issue is very jarring for me even though i love mike mignola but it's an adjustment for sure liam i think maybe the best way to to talk about this might be to to hear John Byrne's own written send-off that is at the end of this issue. So you're going to read it for us? I'll read it. I don't mind. I have it in front of me now. Yeah, let's do it. So it says, Notes at the end of the longest year. I never really expected Alpha Flight to get their own title. When I created them some six or seven years ago now, the only thing I had in my mind was creating a bunch of super folk who could survive going toe-to-toe with the X-Men. And even after fan response hit the ceiling and it seemed inevitable that my fellow Canadians could not be far from their own title... I didn't give much consideration to how long the book might last. I thought 12 issues would probably be enough to do all the Alpha Flight stories I had floating in the back of my mind. One year to say my piece, establish once and for all who these people are, and then look for something else to do. But funnily enough, each story seemed to suggest an aspect of the characters I'd overlooked, something that could become the springboard for another story, and another, and another. So the original 12 issues become 15, then 18, then 24, then 28. 28 issues, and I finally told all the Alpha Flight stories I have to tell. So I leave at last the land north of the 49th parallel and head south to the great desert of the American Southwest and a certain gamma-spawned behemoth for whom I've always had a soft spot in my head and my heart. Next issue, Alpha Flight welcomes aboard Bill Mantlo and Mike Mignola as creative team under the ever-alert eye of editor Carl Potts, and Bill has created a humdinger of a plot for that issue. I almost wish I was drawing it myself, John Byrne. Man, I'll miss the guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Something yeah, unpredictable. I, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I have mixed feelings on it. I think uh, there were things I liked about this era of Alpha Flight that I will miss going forward. And I agree with you, Adriana, that I, I don't know that I love all the Mantlo stuff. Uh, on the other hand, there were things that I didn't love about Burn, and I, you know... Not sure that I like uh, all the things that he was doing, so you know it, it'll be interesting. I've I've read a chunk of what's coming up, but 
pretty soon we're going to be in lots of stuff that I haven't even read. So I'm really interested to see that stuff as well. Uh, but, but, you know, he did create this team. And so in and of itself, just for that, I'm kind of incredibly grateful. Sure. Uh, not just because we get to do this podcast, though. I do love that. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> Alpha Flight was an interesting place to find myself as a kid and continues to be interesting now as a reader uh in some of the decisions that that were being made so you know we'll see where we go from here huh i'm excited liam i'm excited to see what comes next i'm excited for a change but like you said i mean john byrne there would be no alpha flight without john byrne and at the end of the day whatever hesitations or or complexities or or hesitations we have in regard to him and his personality and some of the things he said and done in his career he's an amazingly talented artist uh he's shown himself to be a very talented writer he he brought this to us and for that i'm going to be forever grateful and i also want to mention that in denny o denny o'neill's editorial goodbye since of course they're switching editors as well he says if i existed in the same world as alpha flight i'd undoubtedly fall in love with heather he says he's in love with the character of Heather, Liam, which I thought was an unusual thing to say goodbye on. <laughs> he just wants you to know where his heart is at, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll uh, that'll do us for episode 12 of The Flight Stuff. On our next episode, we're going to have a, a, a giant catch-up, the catch-up of all catch-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you all may have noticed, we have not really covered the Alpha Flight appearances outside of the comic book known as Alpha Flight. So on the next issue, we're going to do a quick run-through of uh, ROM issues 56 to 58, uh, Saga of Crystar issue 11, Marvel Team-Up Annual uh, number 7, and then... Uh, basically the story that got me into alpha flight uh though i wasn't reading it in 1985 because i was only six years old but uh (laughs) i found it later that's x-men alpha flight numbers one and two uh uh a plot arc that was uh collected later in a trade paperback called as guardian wars uh i'm pretty excited to cover that material as 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 i said it's how i even came to care about this weird canadian team but uh (laughs) we'll hope you'll join us back for uh episode 13 lucky 13 where we cover all this stuff that uh that we kind of missed as we went through uh hey uh adriana what where can people find us on those on those socials on those good good socials uh, you can find us on Twitter at Flight Stuff Pod. What about your socials? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at E-A-D-X-B-B. And what if they want to shoot us one of those very kind emails? By the way, thank you all so much for all the emails. We really appreciate it. Uh, they can drop us a line at flightstuffpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, please, 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 please. <laughs> hey, hey, Doug, what if people want to know what you're doing or something about you or hear your dumb jokes? And if you're a member of the upcoming Alpha Flight miniseries creative team, we really want you to send us an email. <laughs> uh, the best place is to find me is on Twitter, at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, That's very funny, Doug. You can find me on Twitter, at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Uh, and I have two other podcasts, No Budget Nightmares, about ultra-low-budget movies. You can find that at No Budget Podcast. And, of course, Liam and I host a show called Eric Roberts is the Effing Man, uh, which you can find at E-R-I-T-F-M. We're just about to move on to our 100th and final episode of that show. So if you want to catch up, this is the time to do it. Thank you, Doug. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in to The Flight Stuff. Please feel free to share this show uh, with your friends. Let let your comic uh, enthusiast friends know that we exist. Post about us all over the internets. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. Also, check out uh, the larger Cinepunks family at Cinepunks.com. That's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X.com. Uh, we got lots of great writing and other uh, interesting podcasts there as well. Uh, until next time, Flight Stuff out. <laughs>